Welcome back to another episode of the Broncos Avenue podcast. I'm your host, Amir. With today's guest, we have Patrick Coyote. He is the writer for Predominantly Orange. He is co-host of the BPA show, co-host of the Let's Ride podcast with Broncos legend Chris Harris Jr. Um, like I said, it's the one and only ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Coyote. Super excited to have you on the show today, man. Um, Jordan Lopez will not be on today's show. He had a last-minute family emergency, um, so make sure everybody out there is sending you the prayers to him. Um, and then as well, before we start off show, today's show, I just want to say, um, give my biggest prayers to all the people in that were involved in that mass shooting in Denver last night, the 10 people that were wounded. Just want to give uh, my biggest condolences and prayers to all the families impacted by that. Um, make sure everybody over there in Denver and just everybody in general, please stay safe wherever you are. Um, just want to send my biggest condolences. But um, now that we're getting the show kicked off and underway, Pat, how are you doing, man? How is everything going with, you know, the new show starting off with Chris Harris? Congratulations on that. How, how is just everything going right now for you? It's busy. It's it's busy. I'll tell you that. It's <laughs> uh, it's definitely a lot. You know, um, def, uh, I, I took a break from from coaching uh, high school this year just because okay. it, it is is a lot of uh, it's a lot of time. And dedication you know i i love my kids um and and they definitely understand but uh it, it's it's fun being able to kind of focus on other things and this show with chris was something that's been in the works for uh quite a while um you know initially i was reached out to do a show with orlando franklin um mm -hmm. and you know orlando had some other stuff going on and so chris you know showed interest and and we actually have a mutual connection and you know we kind of spent a few weeks talking and and getting to know each other and now here we are we we got a show and and it's awesome chris is great he he's just as much of a professional off the field as he was on the field mm -hmm. and you know who who knows he might still have a little gas in the tank if the broncos come calling uh if, if there's a playoff run or whatnot uh, he, he's he's definitely still interested so uh the show's going good you know family is family's healthy family's good son just finished flag football and and was definitely the mvp of the season that's awesome Had nothing to do with me so <laughs> you know it's 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 good man it's good you guys though broncos avenue popping off you I guys are killing it. it on ins i see you guys on instagram i see you guys on twitter i see you guys got tim as a, as a guest, you guys have had some major awesome. guests. So yeah. kudos to you guys. I mean, you guys are killing it. Now, I really, I really do appreciate it. We can only uh, try to, you know, do the absolute best that we can, and um, just learning things from everybody in the in the community. We really, really appreciate it. All you can do is just kind of like collaborate, team up, mm -hmm. rather than kind of compete against each other. I don't like doing yeah. stuff like that. I'm more, I'm more of like kind of like a family man. Like I want to get everybody together and kind of bounce off of each other. And so that's where I would like to go next and kind of say, make sure you guys check out Pat's show over there with Chris Harris Jr. I believe it's on Please. Believer Network, right? With uh, yeah, the Let's Ride yeah. Pocket. Yeah, the Let's Ride podcast. Make sure you guys check that out. They cover all the Broncos news, the latest news, just everything around uh, the Broncos related, kind of similar to how we do, um, except they literally have a Denver Broncos legend on there. So make sure you guys uh, check that out. They're, they're already killing it over there. So um, I would just like to show my respects um, for what you guys are doing right there. Um, so before we jump into uh, – I'm going to ask you a little few questions today. But before we jump into all that, the Denver Nuggets, I know you mentioned to me you're a Portland Trail Trailblazers fan, but you got to yeah. be happy for the city of Denver. Yeah. We 
absolutely gave it to the Miami Heat gentlemen sweep. Uh, the Denver Nuggets for the first time in franchise history are champions. I still like I keep looking on Twitter and just like talking friends, family, everything. I still can't believe we're champions, man. Like all the years yeah. of like e years ago, you're a Blazers fan. So this is perfect. I remember years ago, you guys beating us in that series. And I literally yeah. I will admit here on this podcast, nothing really makes me cry. But that series, I actually cried after that because like that was like really, really rough end of the season. Yeah, it, it's just unbelievable that we're champions. I still can't even like fathom it. It's insane, dude. Like, I mean. I've been around, uh, you know, I've, I've been a Blazers fan my entire life. I mean, I was born, uh, my birthday was actually the day of the Jordan shrug uh, when the Bulls uh. were playing the Blazers. And he was, they were here in Portland and, you know, we got, we got roasted in that series, right? Uh, and, and that, that early 90s Blazers team, they were insane. And then I had the pleasure of growing up with, the you know they call it the jail blazers now but that late 90s team when they had i mean they were a really good team and they had to go in and play Shaq and kobe in the in the western conference finals two years in a row and, yeah. it, and it was rough you know so uh all those years of being a blazers fan and you know watching the team go through all these trials and tribulations and have stars like brandon roy and lamarcus aldridge and and kind of get that like taste of playoff success but never really getting over the hump I can only imagine that that's what it what it's been like for Nuggets fans for all of these years. I mean, you, you I remember Carmelo and and those teams like with Chauncey, like those teams were crazy. They insane talented yeah. Nuggets teams and just couldn't get over that hump, you know, and and Damon Lillard's been such a huge part of the Blazers organization for the last 10 11 years uh and and we kind of got close in that series. I do remember that series so well because I was in Florida, I was at Universal and I'm, I just remember like watching, like just keep, kept updating my phone. Like, oh my God, are we going to win? Are we going to win? Are we going to win? And it, it, it was definitely like a surreal feeling when we won. And of course we got absolutely thrashed by the Warriors in the conference finals. We're not going to talk about that, but it is, it is awesome to see the city of Denver get another championship. All they need is a world series now. And, and, you know, we can kind of call that complete, but yeah. uh I think the biggest thing is I'm, I'm super happy for Jokic. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of um, a, a lot of NBA analysts, you know, over the last month and a half, two months, even the whole season really have just been dogging Jokic and, and don't really like understand his game and and who he is as a person. He's very professional, uh, extremely, extremely high sportsmanship level. And, and of course, the story of Jamal Murray tearing yeah. the ACL, you know, his comeback from that, the mental come back from that as well absolutely astonishing that they were able to complete this and nuggets fans should be happy they have the version of arvinas sabonis that blazers fans wanted in the late 80s early 90s like i a lot of people don't and i only heard one person compare Jokic to sabonis throughout the whole final i think it was mark jackson i saw that and yeah. and that it's literally it's literally the way that it was if if sabonis had come over you know outside of all the the war and politics that was going on at the time and he was able to come to the nba we would have seen Jokic in the late 80s early 90s because that that they have the same exact game so it's really fun to watch Jokic now and be like oh what could have been you know maybe maybe we beat that bulls team maybe we beat that pistons team who knows but Jokic is definitely the difference maker for the nuggets and huge hat hat off to them 
Mike Malone is an outstanding coach. I love the way he talks about his players. Sure. I love the way he coaches the game of basketball. Uh, super fired up for him. And James Merillat taking a big fat L. You'd love to see it. <laughs> oh, I love that you bring that up on here. I didn't say it, guys. I didn't say it. <laughs> but, yeah, man, Jamal Murray, one of my favorite players in all of sports. To see him go with yeah. the way he went, that was just absolutely devastating, tearing his ACL against uh, in yeah. that Warriors game and missing two straight postseasons. The comeback – there, some people were saying he would never get back to half of what he was. He ended up yeah. being better this postseason, arguably, than what he was looking like in the bubble. I mean, all around and all around guard, like he was incredible. And then you just look at the the, the chemistry and duo of him and Jokic, two 30-point triple doubles uh, yeah. just a few days ago. I mean, can, nobody can nobody can mock that in, like, in NBA history. It's absolutely unbelievable. In a finals game, let alone, like that's just uh, that's unbelievable, the chemistry that they have. And then just all the guys that have been called for their jobs we've talked about fans have been rooted against michael porter jr fans have rooted against jamal murray at times yeah. especially mike malone i've heard a lot of fans call for mike malone's job yeah. um, and for the, for them to uh for them to stick with all these guys the ownership everybody and then calvin booth the rookie gm in his first year to win a championship does Crazy. I don't there's no there's no other way to say just absolutely explain that it's unbelievable. I'm at a loss for words. I can't believe that we we won the finals and we did it at 16 and 4 in the postseason. That's the Insane like the, run. tied for like the third best record in I don't know how many last years in the postseason. So unbelievable yeah. run. There's a lot of people saying that was kind of like a Mickey Mouse championship with going against the, the Timberwolves all. and the Lakers. We would have ran through anybody in the in the in the finals yeah. in the postseason. So like what is that argument? Yeah, it's it it. It baffles me because they, they they say it's like, oh, they they had to play easy teams. But why did you pick the other teams to beat the Nuggets in these series? Yeah. Like if if your argument is that they played easy teams, why were you picking? I mean, everybody was talking about the Lakers. Nobody would shut up about the Lakers beating the Nuggets. Oh, they could still do this. They could still come back. And they, I mean, they're down 3-0 and they're like, oh, they, they could still come back. Oh, but now, now they, they had an easy path to finals. Pick a fucking lane. Like, honestly, like, <laughs> pick a lane. It, it's either they – this team is really good. This team is very talented. They have great chemistry. Everybody's been saying for a long time, if this team is healthy and they have matured, they will win a championship. Aaron Gordon was a huge piece of what they're doing. I, I don't think that anybody I, – I, I really don't think we've seen a defensive performance – like the one that we've seen from Aaron Gordon in, in this whole playoff series. And he had to go against some real heavy hitters and yep. he shut them down. And, you know, there's a lot of arguments for like, Oh, well, you know, he, they still put up big numbers and it's like, no man, Jokic was dominating the shots that he was hitting in the LA series were absolutely <sighs> insane. Like it, there were times where I had to rewind and watch those shots four five six times because it, it was just blowing my mind how easy he made it seem it's okay to admit when a team is really 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 good i always think back to 2015 when the broncos were playing the panthers in super bowl 50 so many people were saying oh panthers are gonna die panthers are gonna dog walk them they're they're gonna they're gonna blow them out of the water and it's like well I don't know if you guys have been paying attention through these whole playoffs and it's very similar to what we've seen through this NBA playoffs. Yeah. This is a team that plays well together. They play for each other. They don't play for themselves. Von Miller wasn't playing for himself in Super Bowl 50. He was playing for Peyton Manning. 
You know, it, all those guys were playing for each other, and it's the same way that the Nuggets operated during these playoffs. Jokic, y- you could just tell by his demeanor every single game. It, the, the press conferences last night, he doesn't even want to go to the parade. Like, he's all about the business. He, he is a hooper through and through. People can say mm-hmm. whatever they want about him. Oh, he's boring. He, he's not good for the league and yada, yada, yada. But then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, well, he's not a hooper. He is a hooper. He just wants to play basketball, win championships, and go home. That's all he wants to do. So yeah. hats off to them. And they they did not have a cakewalk, cakewalk at all. They're just a really good basketball team. And that's yeah. okay to admit. We were talking about the Miami Heat when LeBron was there with the big three. Oh, they're going to – this is going to be so easy. It's going to be so easy. Remind me how many championships they said they were going to win and how many championships they actually won. Exactly. There's, yeah, I couldn't there's have, your argument. <laughs> couldn't have said it better than myself, man. Seriously, AG celebrating in the streets last night, like all the way till I don't know how late in the morning. Absolutely hilarious. Had me dying laughing. Just I'm I'm just so I'm just so happy for this entire team. Yeah. They they built they built it the right way. They stayed with all the pieces throughout all these years. Um, then they surrounded it with you know with KCP, um, Bruce Brown. Then obviously the trade for Aaron Gordon. It was just like the cherry on top. Exactly what we needed. Got the defenders. It was constantly our defense was really what was really dragging us down the last few years. And then the injuries to, with Jamal Murray. All, finally, it all came together. The uh, the Nuggets win the championship. Couldn't be happier. Um. But yeah, let's uh, go ahead and jump into some Broncos. Hopefully the Broncos are the next team in uh, Colorado to go ahead and pull off a championship. Absolutely praying for it. <laughs> I really hope, man. It's, you know, these last uh, these last seven, eight years have been kind of tough to watch. Um, you know, it, it's you ride that high from the Super Bowl. And then when everything comes crashing down to earth, we didn't realize it was going to crash this hard. Um, and I think Broncos fans are used to a certain pedigree of success and when you don't have that success for two or three years it's like okay something's wrong but then you go past that and it's like oh no it's it's time to panic um but they're still selling out games people are still watching people are still coming to to the stadium to watch the broncos play win or lose so the the city is invested this new ownership group is is clearly invested as well Mm-hmm. Um, and they they're making the moves to to show everyone that they're serious. Bringing in Sean Payton, you know, obviously the trade for Russ, take it for what it is, but that was an aggressive move to try and and fill a position with a potential Hall of Fame player. So they're trying to do these things to get back to the mountaintop. But in football, it, it's not that easy. You know, it it's definitely something that can take time. We've seen it happen before, where teams have this long history of success and then they kind of go through a decade drought but then they eventually rise back to the top everything's cyclical man it's it's you know everything goes and ebbs and flows and and the the sport of football is no different and the city of denver just wants their football team to be good yeah yeah, and we, and we deserve it. And it's kind of crazy that you brought up and it just kind of sit with me. It's been seven and a half years since the Broncos have appeared in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Like, I'm only 20 years old and that's making me feel old as hell. <laughs> like, that's it's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my, that, that's a really good intro and you already hit on it a little bit. Um, so how are you feeling like on a scale of one to 10 after the, the trades for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, two guys that were kind of acclaimed to Hall of Famers, essentially, on like a scale of one to 10, how confident are you? feeling with how the Broncos franchise is moving ahead with those trades and then obviously like the ownership that you mentioned 
Yeah, that's actually uh, that's a that's a great question because if I had if I had to really gauge you know my own personal feelings about it, um, I feel like we're trending in that like seven to eight range of my confidence. Uh, if it was anyone besides Sean Payton, I'm probably at like a five or a six. That's I'm going to be honest. You know, um, Sean Payton is just a different kind of coach, and uh, I feel like there's a lot of guys in the league that would kind of corroborate this is he, he is a true football coach. What we saw from Nathaniel Hackett last year uh, clearly was not ready to take over the reins as an, as an NFL head coach, let alone the head coach of the Denver Broncos. People need to understand that this is a organization. Like I said, that is built off of, off of success. They have tasted success so many times uh, in the lifetime of this organization that it's almost an expectation that you at least make the playoffs, right? So you think about all of these coaches that we've had over the years. Uh, you, you go back to Reeves, you, you go back to Shanahan and Kubiak and all of these guys that have really built this mountain of an NFL organization. I mean, what, we're like second or third in Super Bowl appearances since 1970, that's insane. That it's insane to think about. So, instead of you know bringing in another rookie head coach or bringing in a, a retread head coach who yeah. you know had a little bit of success and then wavered off and now he's trying to come back, they make they push all the chips to the middle, and they're saying we want to bring in someone who is a consummate professional who is a real football coach who has been in this position before, who understands the pressure that is behind the fan base, behind the organization. And Sean Payton has had to deal with that before. We think back to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, the whole city of New Orleans was lost. And it was up to him to turn it around. Their football team stunk. They were awful. They were 31st in scoring. Sean Payton makes them a top five team in scoring gets them back to the playoffs. We all remember that block punt in on Monday night football in the Superdome, the first game back after Katrina, that was the precedent. And then all of the success that followed after the, after that bringing drew Brees back from a career ending injury and creating him into a hall of fame quarterback. That is the type of coach that Sean Payton is. And to me, that move, is what set set us apart from being a five or a six confidence level to a seven and an eight confidence level because this is a guy who can take this team with all the pieces that they have and turn it around. A guy who can take a quarterback like Russell Wilson who had a a, a really bad year last year. It's okay. He had a bad year. He can turn him around. If If there's anyone in the league that can do it, it's Sean Payton. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I like that you brought up the whole Hurricane Katrina thing because this this Broncos franchise has gone through a lot of you know trials and tribulations the last few years. Yeah. And if you can get any guy, and it feels like this head coach is kind of like the last piece that we're needing. Last year, a lot of Broncos fans are complaining about the coaching, and deservedly so, uh, reasonably so. So to go through uh, you know a trade like this for Sean Payton to get that last piece is very very instrumental. Potentially, the piece the Broncos are missing, and uh, potentially get that piece of 
pursue the championship that they're looking for. I'm really excited to see what he can bring uh, to Denver. And you just bring up nothing but good points there. It's kind of like that last piece where the Broncos needed discipline. They needed better coaching. And uh, Sean Pay could potentially be that last fit in the puzzle piece. Um, I really do. And if I want to answer that same question as well, I would give around like a seven as well. Um, he's just like this last piece that you really need. There's no one really other than Sean Payne that's going to really fit into that equation. I'm better than him. Great offensive play caller, the leader that you need. Simply stuff that the Broncos are missing last year. So I'm really excited yeah. to see what he can bring to Denver. Um, so uh, I would have to agree with you as well about Russell Wilson. So with this offseason, all the free agents, free agent signings that they made earlier this year, how are you feeling about those moves? Who would you kind of label as like your favorite free agent signing so far um, throughout the offseason? Oh. Man, uh, you know, I, I asked the same question to Chris, and he said that Mike McGlinkey was his favorite uh, free agent signing. And I respect that completely because that is like that one position that we have needed for the last six years. It's like a solid right tackle. You're, you, you know, you can have your opinion on on how good he is and how talented he is, but like they finally lock in someone who has played <laughs> – is healthy and is actually going to be available. They threw yeah. a bunch of money at him. You have to in free agency. We all understand that, but this isn't a Jawan James situation where they're kind of making a gamble on, on a guy that can play offensive tackle. They they're going for a guy who has been a steady starter for the last five, six years. And they're going to finally have someone that is a right tackle. But my favorite my favorite signing honestly has been Ben Powers because yeah. that is the guy that is going to transform our run game. Sean Payton wants to run the ball. Fantastic. Were you going to do it with Dalton Reisner? Absolutely not. So <laughs> no offense to Dalton. <laughs> like Dalton's a good dude, like talented player, but Ben Powers fits this system so much more. And the fact that they're pairing him with Quinn Miners, uh, I think that this is going to be something that's really, really great for the Broncos and that rushing attack. Because one of the biggest things that we were missing last season was that ability to effectively run the ball. Latavius Murray played his ass off, right? He, he, he was doing everything that he could. Still have to have a solid run game. And it wasn't as consistent as it needed to be. And, and Russ really, the historical figures show, Russ is much better off in an offense where he doesn't have to carry the entire load. If the run game is consistent and the run game is effective, he'll be able to throw the ball more effectively. He'll be able to sit back in the pocket without worry. And now he'll have a guard who will, uh, who hasn't, he did not allow a sack last year, which was crazy to me because it was Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley that he was yeah. protecting. And like, you would think there would be at least one sack, but no, not a sack. Ben powers is going to be that dude. And he's working with Sean Payton who has notoriously worked with really good guards in his past. And, and it makes me more excited for, for Quinn because that dude deserves to be, it, that dude deserves to to have a Lombardi trophy, just him by himself. He's a, a hilarious guy. He's super talented, massive quads too. Uh, and the fact that he and Ben Powers are going to be together in that run game and they're going to be opening up holes for Javante and P. Ryan is going to be awesome to see, man. So yeah, Ben Powers, definitely at the top of my list. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I was banging the table for him constantly in this offseason to, to get him. It's going to open up a lot of things for your offense. You build, you put the right pieces around to have the rushing tech that you need. Uh, obviously, fits Sean Payton's uh, scheme to, you know, to the absolute yeah. uh, the best best possibility and so um, i'm really excited to see what ben powers can bring here as well as you um so staying on that topic of our free agent additions uh, we'll move on to uh, now the draft um so yeah. i know you uh, you like the draft a lot you that's uh, something you guys do really well over there on the bpa show um thank so you, what would you, you kind of label as uh your favorite draft edition this year the broncos obviously limited draft capital so was there a lot to go over but they did get yeah. some really really good uh value in this year's draft yeah and i think the I think the like misconception about the uh, Broncos draft class and when you don't have a first round pick, you don't have a second round pick. It, it's really hard. It, it It's really hard to say like, oh, man, we made an impact because that that's where you get like franchise players and, and key contributors is first and second round. Um, but this was a great draft class in, in my eyes because they were focusing on one thing and that's depth. Well, two things, depth and special teams, right? And we were awful as a special teams unit last year. Um, and that that's just a big area of improvement that they really needed to see. So trading up for a guy like Marvin Mims, who I would say was like my favorite draft edition because I was pounding the table for him throughout the entire draft process for him to be recognized as one of the top receivers in this class. For a guy of his size, uh, his stature, he plays like a much bigger receiver. You would not think that this guy is 5'10", 5'11". You would think he is 6'2", 6'3", the way that he is able to go for 50-50 balls. The speed element, obviously a huge factor. You know, love KJ, but like we need you to be on the field, man. Um, and, and him in that offense, and, and again, this goes back to the special teams aspect. He's already going to be the punt returner, kick returner. That, that's already decided he is going to be that dude so him and Callaway are probably going to you know split those reps but he's going to offer a lot on special teams and probably be a big part of the offense you go get Riley Moss a lot of people were like you know clamoring over that because oh my god it's a white cornerback in the NFL in 2023 <laughs> oh no he's still a human he's still an athlete he can still play ball it doesn't matter special teams He's got speed. He's got discipline. He's a good tackler. Uh, and I think he'll get rotated in on defense. Um, that's to be determined. But from what I've heard, he's been showing out. Uh, he was showing out at OTAs and in Indies. He apparently shut Jerry Judy down. I know Jordan's not going to like to hear yeah. that. But, you know, yeah, it, that's, he, since he saw that, he called Cap. He called Cap. <laughs> that's, hey, release the film. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Drew Sanders was honestly one that I kind of griped about initially. But now that I've like kind of paid a little bit more attention to uh, OTAs and, and talked to some people and went back and looked at his film, there's a lot of potential there for them to find like a Micah Parsons type dude, um, someone yeah. who you can play him at, at the inside linebacker position and fill the gaps or, or be an effective blitzer within the, within the box, or you can transfer him outside and get him some pass rush reps because we know Baron Browning is going to be out for a little bit of time. This is an opportunity for him to get caught up. And then guess what? Special teams, right? JL Skinner, same thing. Big dude could be a part of the defense at some point. He's a thumper. Love the way that he works in the pass game. Again, special teams. <laughs> like the, the, the theme is the same. 
And the one that I loved the most out of our, our later round picks was Alex Forsythe. This was, a, I did not understand why nobody was talking about Alex Forsythe as one of the top centers in this draft. Dude, it was so consistent at Oregon for the last two years. I mean, absolutely went to work. Go back and watch the Georgia game. I think I say, say this on every show that I talk about Forsyth on, but go back and watch the Georgia game. He had to go up against Jalen Carter, and he shut him down. It was an insane game. And I think that there's a legitimate chance that he could push Lloyd Cushenberry for the starting center position, but I think Peyton is kind of wanting to see what Cush has to offer. So yeah. maybe next year, maybe two years down the road, Alex Forsyth steps in. I think that he could be that consummate professional at the center position that Sean Payton needs due to the quarterback of the offensive line. Uh, so all, all in all, I think that this was a very good draft for them from the team building special teams area. It was an area that they struggled in. They addressed the needs very well with the amount of draft capital that they had. And, uh, it, you know, as a draft guy, I got to say hats off to, to Payton and Payton. You guys did a great job. Yeah. People might not like it, but that's that's football, baby. You got you got to build a team. It's not just drafts are not one in the first and second round. They're one in the third through seventh round. Yeah, with what they had, they did the best that they could and um, absolutely stoked with what they did. And obviously, for those that were mad that they didn't have a first round pick, I mean, we came away with one of the better head coaches. So, um, I mean, we, we arguably have now a top five head coach in the NFL. So who really won here? But yeah. um Really, really excited to see. And that, that was some great draft analysis there, most certainly. And um, Marvin Mims, definitely one of my favorite picks as well. Speaking of the wide receivers, how are you feeling about Denver's wide receiver group? There's a lot of bodies in that room. There's a lot of guys battling for that last spot. You got KJ Hamler, uh, Marcus Calloway, Lil Jordan Humphrey. Yeah. Um, you still got, I, I saw, um, he's he's probably going to be more for the practice squad, but I saw Caden Stearns, his older brother actually, is trying yeah. out for the team, Jareth Stearns today. So yeah. um, kudos to him. And uh, I'm sure Caden definitely played a part in that there's just a lot so there's lots of bodies in the wide receiver room how are you feeling after the addition of marvin mims and marquez calloway and then also uh all the the rumors of the trades with uh jerry judy and Cortland sutton they end up sticking around i know Cortland sutton spoke about that in his press conference the other day how are you feeling about this group altogether you know i i feel confident about this group uh, i i definitely feel more confident about it than i did uh, a, a few months ago when all the the talk about trading court and trading uh jerry sorry my my cats are going absolutely crazy right now uh <laughs> um i i definitely feel more confident about it now uh, hearing court talk about how he's watching film on michael thomas and you know trying to develop more of that game in sean payton's offense you love to hear that because court could be such a, such an impactful receiver. And I think I want to think that the Broncos will keep seven wide receivers. Historically, mm. historically, Sean Payton has kept between six and eight wide receivers on the roster at, at various points. He's kept seven wide receivers though, the most times in his career. So that's something to watch for. If they have decent tight ends, which Dolchich will see, you know, Alberto, there's still a lot of questions there, but they bring in Manhurts, they trade for Troutman. I think that room is set. I think I, I don't think we're going to see anything change. So they're going to carry four. That generally means uh, when I looked back at all of the Saints rosters, if they kept four tight ends, they kept seven wide receivers. So 
it's going to be who uh, who's better in special teams. It's going to be who's a better blocker in the run game. And that's where we'll see LJ Humphrey um, because he was a big part. He was kind of like a move tight end for them. Um, and then who's going to be that, that deep threat. Callaway has experience in this offense and he has put up consistent numbers in this offense. He's probably not going anywhere. KJ Hamler have to be healthy. Got to be healthy. A tremendous talent. Amazing guy. Got to be on the field, man. Uh, court was a raven and then something happened and it, it all fell apart i'm happy that he's still a bronco mm -hmm. i want to see him go off jerry judy they pick up the fifth year option i think he's going to have an amazing year i i i think that sean payton is going to do everything to get him involved and then of course tim man like if he can come back at even 80 percent of what he was doing this is going to be a very good wide receiver room and I feel like the the more guys that they have that can actually compete and contribute on a consistent basis, the fresher they're going to be because that allows you to kind of play with your uh, it, it allows you to play with your personnel. It allows you to play with certain uh, designs and schemes. You can rotate guys in and keep guys fresh, and that is the name of the game. Keep them fresh all season long. Court doesn't need to be out there every snap. Tim doesn't need to be out there every snap. Jew doesn't need to be out there every snap. Get these guys rotated in, get them consistent within the offense, and this offense is going to flourish, especially with a good run game. I'm confident about this group. Uh, I, I think there's going to be some guys that it's going to be disappointing. I think Hamler is one of those guys, unfortunately, that we might see get cut uh, because the trade the trade value just isn't there for him. And, yeah. and that would really disappoint me because I love KJ, but – uh, I, I feel like Mims is is healthy. He's young, and he's coming into this with basically the same amount of experience in the offense as KJ. So uh, it's definitely going to be something to watch for. But I am confident about this room, to say the least. Yeah, that's a really good point about Marvin Mims. Actually, um, it's just the biggest key to this wide receiver room is health. Like, can these guys stay healthy? If you if you are to have all six, seven guys maybe stay healthy, you're gonna get this very fresh rotation. Everybody, everybody's gonna be able to ball out equally. Um, there's obviously gonna be some guys that go over that thousand yard mark. I believe that's Jerry Judy. Um, so we'll we'll see how that uh, we'll see how that definitely goes. Really excited to see how where these guys will fit in the offense. Essentially, we're seeing Cortland Sutton talk about how he studied Michael Thomas's routes on and this his uh, record-breaking season in 2019, which is also the season that he made the Pro Bowl as well. So I'm really excited to see what he he does in this offense. And I completely forgot about that. You mentioned he was basically a Raven at one point. So I, yeah. it was like they were – I don't think they went out of their way by any means to get them uh, get them off the books. It was more so what no. they were receiving from the on their phones. But it was like they kind of were prepared at a point to like kind of move forward with Tim Patrick being that wide receiver too, essentially. So I'm excited to see where like and kind of nervous at the same time to see how they're going to fit him in here. I want to say last second, but like see how they're going to fit him in here uh, in the playbooks around mini camp starting yeah. this week and then in training camp and in the following weeks. Yeah, and, and it should be important here, Tim. Wide receiver one, he is like he, people tend to forget how good Tim Patrick actually is. Very consistent for a guy of his size. It, it, and this is like, this is my biggest thing. I, wide receiver coach, tight end coach. I played wide receiver for a long time. I don't think I have seen a guy of Tim's size. Tim and Court are almost the same size, and Tim is a lot more explosive 
and he, he's a, a faster athlete than Corda. I know obviously post ACL it might change a little bit, but the fact that Tim was able to is able to be such an incredible athlete at his size and such a consistent receiver, his hands are impeccable. He is your third down wide receiver. He's the guy that if you're third and eight, hey, we're calling curls to the weak side. Tim, just get to the sticks and turn around. The ball's going to be there. Perfect. You know it's going to be a first down. So Tim, really, if court was to be moved, Tim would be wide receiver one. And I love Jerry. He's like, he's that guy that you kind of use in the, he's like, he's your Z. He's your Z. He's your guy that we're going to motion. He's your guy that we're going to put across the middle of the field. You know, he's the guy that's, that's going to be taking the eyes off the safety. Right. And Tim is your guy. That's going to be at the sticks. He's going to be your 50, 50 guy. You know, he's going to be your possession receiver. He's going to be a true X. So I, I love Tim and I, I really, I really hope that people start to give Tim more respect because that dude has worked his butt off to get to where he's at. And, and if they can have Tim in court and Judy and Mims and Callaway and Humphrey, you know, you can put all these guys on the field at the same time. This is a dangerous, dangerous team. And people need to wake up because Sean Payton is going to put those guys in a position to win. Exactly. And that's going to be definitely dangerous this season. We're talking about Jamal Murray and the ACL comeback and recovery is yeah. truly remarkable. Um, now we're talking about Tim Patrick. The next name I want to talk about, Javante Williams, the severe uh, knee injury yeah. last year. How are you feeling about him? I know uh, you've been, you talked to some people around there with the Broncos and everything. How are you feeling about um, how, what his progress could look like and him potentially getting back to um, full capacity in his game? Where do you see Javante going from, from here? And do you think Javante could get back to the old, uh, you know, hard smash mouth football, Javante Williams. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that is really important to remember about Javante's injury, it was a multi-ligament injury. Um, and I, I did a lot of uh, looking into uh, scientific research about athletes coming back from these types of injuries. And, you know, unfortunately they haven't done a ton of research on football players. I would love to see them do a little more research into football players, but the majority of them were soccer players. And I think it was about 400 uh, participants in the survey were soccer players. And I think 11 were football players. The return to a hundred percent for the majority of these is a year and a half to two years. His injury is very unique because he didn't suffer any nerve damage. He didn't suffer any yeah. additional uh, damage around the knee, uh, around the, the structure of it. So his patellar tendon is fine. Uh, you, all of the nerves are fine. He was very lucky. Um, do I think he's going to be back to 100% this, at some point this season? It, if it is, it's not going to be until later. But seeing the videos of him from OTAs, he looked pretty explosive to me. I mean, it, the fact that he has come back from this injury and is looking even a little bit like that is mind-blowing. I mean, is he going to have an AP season? Let, let's, let's not kid ourselves. He's not, go, like, he's not going to have an AP season. But if he can come back and be you know, a, a first down or second down guy and just get those get meaningful yards – and take care of himself and and really like work on this offseason and build that strength back build that explosiveness back 
I think that there's a chance that by the end of the season, if he hasn't taken on too much of a workload, we could see prime Javante come back during that later stretch of the season. That would be incredible because you have him fresh for the playoffs. That's huge. You, you know, P Ryan is a, a, a professional third down back. You don't need to have Javante out there on third downs. Um, you know, if, if they bring in another guy into that room, that would be awesome too. Maybe a Dalvin cook, probably not, but uh, I personally would love to see them slow down with Javante. Don't rush him back. Let him heal up. But it's sounding to me like he has just taken this recovery on the head. And, and honestly, it speaks to everything that I heard about him pre-draft, where it was like, this dude is just, he is just a baller. He wants to play ball and he works harder than everybody in the building. So as a big Javante Williams fan, um, I am so excited to see him come back from this injury. I really hope that he comes back 100% uh, at some point in the season, not week one, please. Let's hold it off. But I think that if he does come back healthy, he would be a huge part of this Broncos offense. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Huge Javante Williams, Sam, my favorite player. Um, I, I won't speak too much about you know where I've seen some videos, but I did see some OTA clips. This dude is running full speed on wheel routes and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, unbelievable, crazy. And you, you, I mean, we have to remember like an ACL MCL tear is yes, it, it's very painful. But when we're thinking about how explosive these dudes are and how strong they are. Uh, when they plant their foot and launch off of that foot, the side to side is so crucial. And, and if mm -hmm. he's going full speed on wheel routes, what that tells me is he's, he's worked a lot on his balance. Um, you lose a lot of core strength during your recovery. Um, and you obviously lose a lot of quad strength. And if they, if they graph from the hamstring, you also have to heal that as well. So that's a, like a whole other thing. But if he's already running full speed on wheel routes, and he's getting that bend and he's getting that that push off of the knee at this point in OTAs that's a really really good sign we've we we've heard so much cloudiness come from the organization from Peyton uh, George Peyton and Sean Peyton that yeah he's he's progressing but you know we eh, we might hold back a little bit it's so cloudy because we only hear what we hear from them right we don't have yeah. access to medical records we don't talk to him personally but everything that we've seen from him from his side is that he's working really hard he's taking this seriously it's not something that you know he's taking lightly he wants to get back to playing football and we as broncos fans want to see him get back to playing football yeah, I'm, the Broncos aren't going to release too much, obviously, uh, what yeah. they're doing on the field. But I'm really curious to see how he looks in like short area quickness, lateral movement. That's going to tell a lot on how uh, how much he's truly recovered from that knee injury. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how that looks eventually. But I do expect him uh, back very very soon. Um, and it just oh, I 100% agree with you. I've said multiple times on this podcast. I feel like this year is going to kind of be like that that bridge year where he's really trying to get back to his old self. Yeah. And the next year is we're going to see him like that's going to be like the considered breakout Javante season. I feel like I, that's how I kind of see things going with him. Yeah, and and if we think about Sean Payton's offenses throughout the years, he's always kind of had a running back committee. Um, he, he's been very big on that for a, a very long time. Mark Ingram was the like power back for them. And then Reggie Bush was their kind of scat back speed guy, change of pace. And then uh, of course they had, I 
the name is escaping me now. Darren Sproles, that's who it was. Uh, and I think that we're going to kind of see the same thing. And that, that's kind of the feeling when you look at the room is like, there's two or three guys that are going to get carries, but also play in situational football. Um, Tyler Beatty is someone who I think could definitely fill that, that Sproles role of that, like, speed scat receiver back whatever you want to call him javante is obviously going to be that that bruiser that power back and then p ryan is kind of your like consistent third down guy someone that you can put in the slot or someone who's going to be better in pass pro um it's definitely going to be refreshing to have a better running back room than we've had in in recent years you know melvin gordon he i don't know what happened but we just uh, we ate a little too much popcorn before the games, Mel. Like that's that's the the hard truth of it. But I I would really love and I and I want to start this campaign now. And I know a lot of Broncos fans are gonna either gripe or agree with me. Why is Philip Lindsay not on an NFL roster? Like why is he not on an NFL roster? Dude did not fumble once in his career. Two thousand yard rushing seasons as an undrafted uh, free agent, he worked really well in the Broncos offense before that OC who shall not be named took over. Uh, and I, I think that this is a guy who could play an important role in a Sean Payton style offense. You get him in a, uh, I mean, he runs a lot of duo and Philip Lindsay as a, uh, as a running back is a very, like he to me is a duo running back, give him the ball, let him see the gap. And, let him go because he he's one of those dudes that could burn you and he's a he's a tough sob he's not going to back down from anybody so uh i maybe there's a potential reunion there with sean payton but i don't know we'll see yeah we'll see tyler Beatty is definitely one of those guys i just yeah. look at like that that darren sproles type of role in this offense he could yeah. definitely insert in that he's a very very sneaky name to watch for the rest of training camp so we'll see how what that goes and our co-host mr jordan Mackey, would love this whole philip Lindsay conversation right now because he is a huge philip Lindsay guy i'm not so much um i loved him during his time here um yeah. i'm not too not too certain how he would really fit here um schematically uh we he definitely could fit into that type of role we were mentioning but um at this point, I do agree though. He he can really he really should be on in like at least a ninety man roster competing for a spot. Don't like what I, I don't understand what the, what that is too much right now. And um it's yeah. not like he's technically signed to the the C the Seattle Sea Dragons right now, is yeah. he? No, I think that their season's over, so he is technically a free agent. I did see some report yeah. that they were trying to, you know, reach out about a potential deal and and that was kind of the last we saw of it. Um yeah. But, you know, a camp invite, something would be incredible. The dude is a, he's a, he's a good dude. He's a fiery competitor. That's, that's really what it comes down to is you watch this guy run and, and at five, nine, you know, 100, 185 pounds on a good day, this dude is not afraid to run through somebody's face. And, and we saw it so many times here in Denver. Um, it, it's just kind of, it, it's kind of weird seeing how his career went at the tail end you know he was with the colts obviously last season for that that little cup of coffee but uh yeah really definitely strange that he's not at least somewhere on a practice squad yeah all right so pat my last question for you today yeah. i want to kind of pick your brains a little bit for the fans watching yeah. um what would be 
give some like really good advice. What would be like your, your good advice for anybody trying to make it in sports media, whether it's writing or just podcasting. And then also like, what would you, what would, uh, advice would you give for some like young and upcoming coaches out there? I know you mentioned you coach uh tight end, yeah. uh, cut tight ends and wide receivers for uh, high school yeah. football. Yeah. So, uh, let's start off with the sports media. So I've been, you know, I, I've, I've been doing this for, what five years now five six years and um the one piece of advice that i would give is like be be consistent try to be consistent as much as possible i i'm not perfect at it uh you know i it's hard for me with you know job and kids and coaching and yeah. uh you know all that to to stay on top of writing this platform is a lot better for me because i can take time out of my day and and just talk I don't have to focus on editing and writing and SEO because that's what I do in my normal job. And and to be frank, I just, I don't want to I don't want to do it again. I, I don't want to do it for you know for longer. Uh, so talking is a lot better. But find what you're good at and stick to it, um, and and just stay consistent with it. Don't try to like you know you know obviously try new things like see what works. But when you find your one thing really stick with it. Um, and then as far as coaching goes, you know, I get asked all the time, like, how do I get into coaching? How do I get into coaching? Volunteering is a great way to get into coaching, whether that's at the youth level um, or, or whether that's at the high school level, go volunteer to be, you know, a, a pass coordinator or a run coordinator, go volunteer to, to just be around the game. I, I really, the way that I broke into coaching was, uh, a guy said, Hey, we need more assistance for like JV and stuff like that. And I showed up and they asked, well, what do you coach? And I said, well, I played wide receiver for a long time. I haven't coached at all. And they're like, all right, well, we'll just put you with tight ends. And so what I did from there was I went home, I learned everything that I could about the tight end position, um, took everything that I already knew about the wide receiver position. And then I kind of like just started putting it towards that. And then I got into special teams and then you get into like, you learn so much from just being around other minds. Um, shout out to coach Mike Peck from Burley, Idaho. Uh, that was my first coach that I worked for. He is incredible. I think they had the, they had the top scoring offense in high school football in Idaho. They averaged like 60 points a game. Uh, wow. And then like, it was like the top three or top five offense in the country. Um, dude is insanely smart. Those are the type of people that you want to surround yourself with. Um, watch coaching clinics online. You can learn so much. There's free, there's so many websites, videos on YouTube that are free. Go, go to coaching clinics, read books, uh, uh, about coaching. There's plenty of X's and O's books out there. Bill Walsh's book is fantastic. Go read that. Um, there, there's a couple books about scouting by, uh, Steve, I think it's Steve Belichick. It's one of the Belichick's. Um, but really just try to immerse yourself in, in everything football, because you'll watch the game differently at the college level. You watch the game differently at the NFL level, and you'll just begin to soak up so much information. Um, and the last thing I would say is follow coaches on Twitter because they drop a lot of knowledge. They drop consistent knowledge all the time. You'll learn so much. You'll get to talk to so many people and you'll make so many connections. Um, coaching is a very rewarding thing for me because uh, coaches were always the most important person in my life. Um, you know, growing up without, uh, without a real father figure was, was definitely tough. 
and coaches were someone that they were people that were there for me um, when I really needed them. And, and that is what I try to be for each and every one of my kids. Um, I, I, I still have kids to this day from that first season that reach out to me and ask me how I'm doing and thank me for everything that I did for them. And, uh, there's no better feeling than watching a kid learn, grow, um, and succeed as not only a football player, but as a man off the field. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Look at Pat, man. So inspirational. <laughs> but yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's awesome, definitely. And I, for a lot of you guys that want to get into coaching, I mean, just take the words there. And I thought you brought brought up the thing about you know following Twitter users. Twitter is like such a toxic place, but it's so it like informing at the same time. Yeah, like you will, I easily more than any other social media platform or learn a lot more from Twitter than yeah. uh, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok is awful. I'll, we can have a whole conversation about that, but uh, all these other platforms, you definitely can learn a lot more from uh, from Twitter if you're yeah. following the right account. So if you guys want to be coaches, definitely take those uh, inspiring words from Pat, definitely useful. And you, you brought up balancing work and, you know, all this yeah. uh, content creating and everything. It, it definitely is tough. Like not even a lie to you right now. I'm on five hours of sleep because I got off work super Same. late last night. Literally, <laughs> had a meeting this morning let's go straight here really yeah. tired but man this stuff when you like you mentioned when you do stuff that you love and you be consistent everything's gonna follow the money's gonna follow you know yeah. the popularity all of that all of that's gonna follow the growth everything so as long as you stay true to true to those two things you work your absolute tail off everything's gonna pay off so um pat thank you so much for being on today's show great conversation seriously one of the best guests i've had in a while um oh, I, I really Jeez. do appreciate it man some a really really good conversation keep killing it dude you guys are you guys are changing the game i'm telling you it, you let's uh let's talk broncos you guys are are two of my favorite shows to listen to and uh awesome. yeah i i appreciate everything that you guys are doing uh, you know chris and i definitely appreciate what you guys are doing because you guys are are doing a lot for uh broncos fans on social media there's a lot of toxic like you said there's a lot of toxic people on twitter man and yeah you, you guys tune out the noise and and I see you guys commenting on, on stuff on Instagram and it makes me chuckle. So keep killing it, dude. It, like you guys, like you said, follow your dreams follow, and the money will follow. You guys are knocking on the door, man. I appreciate it. Really appreciate that coming from you. Well, that is going to be it for today's episode with our special guest, Patrick Chiotti. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you guys are listening on YouTube, make sure you guys like and subscribe. Greatly appreciate it. If you guys are over there listening on Spotify podcast, you guys appreciate it as well. Make sure you guys follow, turn on notifications so you never miss an episode of the Broncos Avenue podcast. But yeah, that is going to be it for today's episode. episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Um, I'm your host, Amir, with my today's guest, Patrick Chiotti. Until the next episode, peace.